Have you ever done something dumb? How many have ever done something dumb? How many ever made a mistake in your life? Yeah, okay, okay. We're going to talk about that today. What do you do about it? You ever done something dumb and live to tell about it? He better hope it doesn't start. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keene from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. I was hanging out with Amy Newman on her channel. I enjoy hanging out with her and James. Unfortunately, usually whenever I'm allowed access to the room, other people come in and they have a tendency, not Amy or James, but the other people tend to ramble on and on and on and they don't seem to have any kind of respect or appreciation for other people being in the room who actually want to have a discussion. I find James as well as Amy Newman to be intellectually honest people who are trying to understand why people believe in God, why why it is that people of God challenge the different views. And Amy asks a lot of valid questions, but I don't feel like I can actually, unless she comes onto my show or in my room where it's me and her and a few others, who actually have social uh, etiquette. I don't believe that I'll ever be able to have a discussion with her on her show due to her bringing in so many people and them being so passionate about their views, they won't ever be quiet. Now, with that said, I'd like to attempt to answer some of the questions that she's asked. She did a video recently tonight asking why it is that creationists focus so much on abiogenesis. I don't know if she realizes this, but usually Christians focus on a huge gambit. Christians don't just see evolution as a process that happens on earth, nor abiogenesis. They believe in order for abiogenesis to actually have an effect, or from something to evolve from a replicating cell, as some people would call it, is certain things had to happen in the universe, and certain parameters had to happen with the world in order for something like this to even start. Usually a lot of theists from my experience see abiogenesis as an extraordinary claim of spontaneous generation of non-living matter or non-animate things, um, inanimate objects turning into living aware um, features and taking upon um, an anatomical structure. I I think that Amy understands it's a rhetorical question. She's just trying to get uh, discussions going whenever it comes to that matter. But somebody in her room, I believe it was her, asked, how does God actually go about creating? Well, for me, from my theological point of view, which some Christians may definitely not agree with me, I see God as an ancient energy that somehow became aware of itself. Because this ancient energy existed outside of space and time, you can't really throw down a time period or how long it may have taken for this energy process to become aware or consciousness or, talk, or take upon the concept of a mind with thoughts and ideas and what it's going to do in all this. Um, I guess some people could argue that. Obviously, your typical theist would probably argue that God always had the ability to think, always had the ability to 
pre-plan and do all these different things that it's capable of, obviously based upon the Abrahamic faith, whether it's the Bible or the Quran or whatever. But the question was, how would God go about this? Well, if you already presuppose that God is made out of some ancient energy, that he was the singularity or the prime mover that started the universe, commonly believed that the universe had a start, you would have to assess, either from a skeptic's point of view or a religious person's point of view, if you presuppose that God is real, that God obviously has um, the ability to be able to transform as well as manipulate energy. Uh, according to uh, conversion and transforming of energy in the universe, energy never degrades. It always is, but it can take on different forms and it can transform and do all these. So if God is the prime mover and the universe is made out of energy, then you would suspect that God is probably made up of some of the same properties um, that do this. It is also, it would explain, I think, logically, why it is that God is able to take on different forms. He's able to um, twist and manipulate matter any way he wants. He can come down and exist among us as a physical being if he wants to, or he can speak to us through a physical object or even an animal or something like this, because he uh, because he's such a powerful energy existing outside of the extension of space and time, he's capable of a great deal of things. His concept of time would be a lot different than ours. Humans would be linear, where we're always thinking forward. Of course, we have the... Um, because of our consciousness and our memory storage, we have the ability to embark on what we did in our past, and sometimes we even learn from it. Of course, history does um, sometimes contradict that. It seems like humanity repeats history over and over again um, whenever it comes to war and destruction and stupidity. But that's a totally different video altogether. So that would be my answer to the question if that's what you and Atheist Jr. and the others want. God would be made up of the... Um, the properties of light and energy and so on. And some would even argue that some forms of light are actually energy themselves, which would explain why it is when people have said that they've seen manifestations of God or angels, why it is they always appear as though a pulsating light. Or you perhaps have heard these stories about people saying that they're on their deathbed and they see a, a tunnel. Uh, of course, some scientists would claim that that's simply some kind of issue or dilation with your eyes as you're about to go into the, how shall I say, your dirt nap, your permanent sleep. Who knows? Who knows? Why is abiogenesis so important? Is um, It challenges the creation story, obviously. It's how life got here. Um Christians, they usually dictate their information and their beliefs on the story of Adam and Eve. They see it as literal. They see it as God already created Adam and Eve with the ability of consciousness, with feelings and emotion, being able to eat and live as human beings do nowadays. And abiogenesis is claiming that uh, it gives us an upside-down type of pattern where it says that things developed over time for billions of years and all this. 
One of the questions I had wanted to ask you, though, Amy and James, which I think that you would find as a valid question, it's a question that can slap the face of the theist as well as the non-believer at the same time. Uh, and the reason, well, let me ask the question, I'll explain why it pisses everybody off in all aisles, is why is it that we have scientists out here who are claiming that there are worlds that are actually more habitable and in better condition than the Earth? Did you know that they claim that there's literally over 500 planets that are Goldilocks that supposedly have better living conditions on them that we could actually live on, that have oxygen, have an atmosphere, have oceans in them. You can type in ocean, water, planets, all you like. I love science. Um, I love, I've been uh, a science buff since I, all the way back since I was a kid, all the way through my years and years of being an atheist. And one of the things that always caught my attention about the fact that there's so many planets out here, it caused me to ask two different questions, one for the theist, one for the atheist. If there is a God and he created the universe and the earth is so important that that's where he instilled humanity, then why did he create this vast universe that goes on for 200 billion light years along with um almost seemingly an unlimited amount of planets. It seems like a waste of space and time to me, but other people will say, well, that's just God's way of showing off his masterpiece or his glory. But the problem for the atheist is, if there are truly worlds out there that are in better condition, deeper oceans, better oxygen, rich oxygen, and all the things that scientists claim is required in order for there to be life with the proteins and all the fancy words they use on why it is something should come into existence. Why do you think it is after all these many years, even though science is still in its infancy, only really been uh, doing revolutionary things for the past couple hundred years, why is it that we're not seeing life uh, abundantly everywhere else? I mean, that's the big question. Are we alone in the universe? we got plenty of movies and television shows, but we don't have any empirical evidence that other life forms are walking around. If it's that simple that you just need a world that's in a good condition, good parameters and all that, then we should get some kind of heat signature. We should get some kind of... Our technology should pick up something out there. I know nowadays they're claiming that we are picking up radio waves that are not our own, Maybe that's uh, the signal we've been waiting for. I know that atheist Stephen Hawking was absolutely concerned that we probably shouldn't be trying to make contact with other life forms if they exist out there because we may run into some superior galactic empire of aliens that may see us as nothing more than ants. They may enslave us. They may kill us. They may use our planet for resources and not give a damn about anything that we've ever accomplished as a people or a species. So it's a kind of a slap in the face for both. Why is it that God created all the planets? But also why is it that because there's so many planets, we should be literally tripping over alien life forms. We should be seeing some kind of abiogenesis or some evolutionary process. We should be seeing creatures that are on planets that are much older than our own, allegedly, uh, be responding. 
we should see them moving around. We should see them doing things. We have um, state-of-the-art technology where we're able to take pictures of worlds almost within their atmosphere and do all these things. We have the ability to pick up heat signatures. But there's nothing. I remember about 10 years ago, they were saying that they found some unusual molecules of some sort, some kind of strange element on Mars um, from taking pictures and all that. But we don't, we obviously have never traveled to Mars. We were supposed to. But we haven't even got that far yet. I, um,. Amy, you've always come off, you and James come off as very open-minded people. I do not understand to this day why there are atheists out there who seem to be anti-theists, where they have this chip on their shoulder. Why it is they, why it's so difficult or challenging for them to uh, be convinced that there's more to the universe than us. I mean, it seems almost just as narrow-minded as some of the Christians that you complain about, doesn't it? Basically saying, you know, this is all there is. This is the center of the universe. We're all that there is. Why would you think that for? I got a, I got something else to throw at you, Amy. This is just something to think about. You don't have to make a video or respond or answer. And this is for all non-believers out there. <clears throat> you believe, obviously, what I just said about all the energy in the universe, Right. You believe that energy isn't deteriorating. If you believe that energy cannot be created or whatever, or die or be de um, deteriorate, then you have to believe that there was always some form of energy out there. Now, here's the catch. If we go along with the Big Bang and some kind of energy source that existed before the universe itself existed, we have to logically formulate that that singularity or that power that expanded the universe, whether you want to call it an explosion or a silent fart, whatever the hell the point is, you have to believe that whatever materials were in it were the all the materials of all space, time, and matter. Okay? Space, time, and matter came into existence through it. Now, if that's true, then that means that the our ability to be aware and conscious and have all the uh, carbon-based features and all the physical and mental prowess that we have, it came from somewhere. All the elements of life, the recipe for life came from that. Now, if you believe that, which a lot of religious people and non-believers do, um, wouldn't you also be able to uh, assume, I suppose, on a scientific level, that let me say this one more time. If everything came from a source, a prime mover, whether you believe the prime mover is conscious or not or aware of itself, you'd have to believe that that thing that had every bit of energy and power within it before the universe started may also have a mind, may also be very rich in its capacity on what it's capable of doing. This is where your brain came from, right? This is where your physical body, your form, everything of you came from that original place. And the universe just simply arranged everything in the order that it is. 
that would mean that you have the recipe for life. And if the recipe all existed in one place, then it wouldn't be difficult or irrational to believe that that right there was the beginning of mind and consciousness and awareness. I suppose some Christians wouldn't like my next point that I'm about to put, but there's a lot of very pantheistic views to Christianity that for some reason they like to ignore, that God may exist in all things. In the Bible, or even in the Quran or the Torah, it says that God actually knows us all the way down to our hair. He knows us intimately from within. Now, do they believe that God is an external force that can somehow access us? Or are they stating that the God is the universe, but he's able to observe us and created us in such a way that we can observe the universe right back? There's a lot of very pantheistic views about um, Christianity that I don't know why it is that you don't see a lot of Christians actually like uh, going towards that direction or looking more into it because I think it would answer a lot of questions. Oh, and when you get an opportunity, I appreciate the fact that you sympathize with my maltheism, but I have many different theological positions that I have studied and looked into. I didn't. I wasn't one of these people who grew up being told this was the only alternative or the only way. I actually studied many different religions, and I have my reasons why it is that I chose uh, specifically my direction kind of guided towards Christianity, but it's not just Christianity for me. In fact, I'll put this out there, Amy, because I was being pretty straightforward with you tonight when I was in the comments. I feel like I probably should have never named myself or labeled myself a Christian to begin with. I actually had a lot of Christians tell me because my views are so similar, I should just simply label myself a Christian. But the more and more I talk and the more videos I make and the more open shows I have, a lot of Christians who are listening in are starting to realize that I'm not a part of the exclusive club of Christianity. They're starting to realize that there's a whole hell of a lot of things going on in my uh, noggin that they may have never even thought about that they wouldn't want to agree with me on or my views on how God works, how God does things, how God thinks, and is God objectively moral. I'd love to have uh, extensive discussions with you, Amy, but I know you're running your own show, and I know that your show is profitable for you. You're making money. This isn't just a learning experience. There's money to be made, and I get that. I have nothing against you, but if you really want to have a in-depth conversation or you'd like to interview me, I'm more than open to do that. I'll probably get myself into even more trouble. Christians are ready to throw my ass over the waterfall at this point. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. That is where I'm at on a lot of different topics. I hope that uh, my question was more scientific. My response for you was more scientific than uh, people like John, who was in the room, who just simply said, well, it's all faith. It's all faith. Um, if it was all about faith with me, then it wouldn't have been enough. I've admitted that faith for me is just simply not enough. I needed, 
I needed philosophical positions. I need scientific positions in order to uh, bring me to the concept of God, not just simply sitting around hoping, um, hoping and being afraid of the universe and being scared of life without God was not my, it wasn't my reasoning for coming to God as it is for others. And it wasn't because my parents were these wonderful religious people who forced me to go to church or something like that that got me believing or thinking like this. I put a lot of hours, a lot of days, a lot of nights into my thought process. I don't think I fit into atheism very well either. Even before I became a theist, um, Amy, I had questions about evolution. There was a lot of issues and problems that I felt needed to be resolved before I could accept it. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I don't have some kind of anger. In fact, um, if God wanted to use abiogenesis or the process of evolution to create and develop life, I would have been absolutely fine with that as well. It's just that there's a lot of questions that I feel like evolution does not answer for me. And there's also, to be fair, there's a lot of questions about faith and religion that don't answer a great deal of questions for me either. And that's the reason why I went towards science and philosophy, unlike some of my brethren. All right. I hope you enjoyed the video. God bless. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keane. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless. This week, Joe Biden made his first visit to the Middle East as President of the United States. The trip follows talk that the US is seeking to form a regional security alliance similar to NATO, which would include Israel, the Gulf and Arab states. It was also a blatant hunt for oil amidst an American energy crisis. Sounds familiar. A note with interest, the Chinese Communist Party mouthpiece media have gone big on coverage over the past couple of days. And I quote... Middle Eastern powers are very sensitive to the weakening US power in the region. They've seen what Ukraine has experienced in the confrontation between NATO and Russia. So it would be very difficult for the US to use them to confront Iran and Russia in the regions. Well, the agenda is obvious, but hard to pinpoint a part of that paragraph that's actually wrong. Anyone who disputes that the Chinese view Russia's invasion of Ukraine as a test case is kidding themselves. There's no doubt. And Taiwan? Well, they're sitting ducks. Yes, they might be inspired by the incredible Ukrainian resistance, but how much longer can they hold on? And what would war in our region mean here in Australia? I don't think any of us want to find out. Now back to Iran, who are supplying weapons to Russia, by the way. Whilst in Israel, Biden said he'd be prepared to use force to stop the Iranians from obtaining nuclear weapons. You made it absolutely clear. We will not, let me say it again, we will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. I mean, anything else we have to be worried about? The world is an increasingly dangerous place and a beefed up and nuclear armed Iran should scare the living daylights out of us all. 
So should the fact that Vladimir Putin is apparently making a trip there this week to attend a trilateral meeting with the Iranian and Turkish president. According to The Global Times, it's to counter Biden's latest actions. The strength of the states in the world order is crucial to our survival. And under the Biden administration, it's weakening significantly. Not just from a political perspective, like the ill-timed US withdrawal out of Afghanistan, but personally, the president is not well. And that's genuinely very sad. Watch as he twice tries to shake the hand of someone who isn't there. Thank you, President Herzog. It is so sad, but it is also more terrifying. Our only hope, our only way forward is self-reliance. We need to be able to hold our own ground. Punch above our weight, yes. And we are running out of time to do so. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can do a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon Wishlist. Or you can buy one of my books. Afterlife Simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works. Or you could buy some of our music and art. Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. I'm going to be playing some ESO here in a little bit, some Elder Scrolls. Unfortunately, I don't have any social media people out there that actually like to get on that game and play. I had some people who used to enjoy playing World of Warcraft. I guess they just didn't get into the ESO thing. Uh, probably on Saturday, 7 p.m., I'll be doing a live show. I did attempt to do something today, but Mondays are horrible. Usually it's a day that uh, people don't want to do shows or they don't want to talk. And although I attempted it, it only lasted for about 20 minutes. I realized people weren't uh, feeling it. They weren't wanting to come in and talk, so I just shut it down. I'm not looking to do a solo video if I was, and I would have done what I'm doing right now and just simply put it out there. I've, uh, I've learned a lot being on the internet for 20 years about how people are. And uh, there's an article out there that says that people who use their computers and the internet all the time usually start having psychological problems. They start disconnecting from society. They start getting to a point where... They don't want to go out, enjoy nature, you know, sniff flowers, um, play with animals anymore, make real friendships. They, there's people out there where they prefer not going out into the world and actually involving themselves with people. I myself, I have a phobia and it puts some limitations on me. But I actually do like being around people. I do actually like hanging out with folks. It's going out in open areas that make me nervous and give me anxiety. But if something's really, really important, 
then I have this way of putting myself into a zone in order to be able to go out and do things if I feel like it's beneficial, valuable, or it's going to be entertaining for me. My son and I, we've actually went to the movie theater, and the movie theater is quite a bit of distance away from my home. And unfortunately, we've had to take highways to get there. But if you got a phobia and you know that you're going to be doing something one day or you're scheduled to do something, then you kind of put yourself in a mind setting or you just relax and you chill and you put your body and your brain and mind in, in kind of an atmosphere where you can basically handle it. Yeah, with agoraphobia, there are certain ways you can be able to get yourself into that type of zone. Sometimes it takes a couple hours, sometimes it takes a couple days. But I've learned how to deal with my problems on a psychedelic level. <laughs> or psychological, not psychedelic. Damn, that sounds like I'm a hippie getting ready to sniff some wacky tobacco or something. But one thing I've noticed uh, about people who are like that, where they're just simply on the internet, and they're not making real friends in real life, they're not making any real connections, people like this usually disconnect themselves from what actual friendship is or relationships. Um, a person, a lot of people have the same problem with their phones nowadays where instead of like talking to a woman or a female, they'd rather just text them back and forth. You don't get to hear the beauty or the sexiness of the woman's voice anymore. And the woman, of course, doesn't get to hear what your inflections are or your commentary or anything like that. Just these stupid little lines with emojis and smiley faces and there's nothing really there whatsoever. And a lot of young men as well as women nowadays, they wonder why it is that they're not able to um, be able to have the kind of relationships that their parents did or their family or even some of their friends out there who didn't fall into the internet social media trap of doing that kind of thing. <clears throat> I've discovered that people in social media... People who have this disconnect problem from society and from other people, they usually do not make very good friends whatsoever. To me, um, a friend is someone that goes places with you, hangs out, you're able to talk about stuff. And if someone ever shit talks you or tries to smear your name or something like that, because the person is so close to you and so connected to you, They'd never bother wasting your time asking you about what someone else may have said or, or did you hear about this or what this person said about you because the person is so friendly with you and they talk to you so often because that's what friends do that they wouldn't even bother or waste their time with that. In fact, a real friend, if they seen you getting um, smashed or insulted or some kind of hit piece was put out in a newspaper, they would be the first to say, fuck these people, this is bullshit, this is ignorant. I know Brett Keen. I know Brett Keen would never do some shit like that. Um, I was hanging out with Brett Keen on that day. I know that Brett Keen couldn't have possibly did. The point is, is when you're dealing with grifters, and that's what social media um, supposed friends are, they're grifters. They are people who come into your life if you're running a live show, if there's something that they they think they can get out of you, um, but these same type of people are the first who would go into a room or a show hanging out with people who've made themselves your enemy. 
Have you ever heard of a real friend actually doing that? Have you heard of a real friend who says, oh, I'm going to hang out with my friend's enemies today, people who trash talk them and shit on them um, because I'm bored? Have you ever heard of that before? Do you have a friend out there in the world, girl or guy, who you constantly are hearing about them wanting to hang out with the very people who uh, try to make you look like the biggest piece of shit on the planet? Yeah. See what I mean? Real friends, you don't have to worry about that. A real friend takes a bullet for you. A real friend isn't just there for 10 minutes just so they can have a place that they can hang out and rant out their nonsense or their bullshit from time to time. A real friend actually has what we refer to as honor and loyalty and a code and all that. You're not going to find that on the internet. You have to do kind of like me. You have to realize that there's certain people that you can trust with portions where there's just so much you can give them because you know that if the the stakes are down or the chips are down, they're going to be the first one to probably throw you under the fucking bus. And the reason why a lot of people act this way and they do this kind of shit on the internet, because a lot of these people are very lonely. If they don't feel like they're getting enough attention from you, they're going to go anywhere where they're invited or where the door is open. And it's easy to go into any kind of uh, social media event because it's just a matter of somebody putting a link out there and you click and then you get to be a part of something. You get to hang out with people. And nine times out of ten, the person's not going to defend you. They're not going to back you up. In fact, they're going to pretend as though they're absolutely surprised at the things that they've heard and shocked. Because if they actually knew you well, after hanging out with you a hundred times, well, they wouldn't even bother asking that kind of shit. They wouldn't even be a part of something that they know is meant to attack you or do things like that. And that's the point. That's the difference between a grifter. I have a lot of these grifters who ask me on a daily, they say, uh, Brett, you say that you want me to, you say that you want someone to host your show, that you would like someone who is committed and all this kind of stuff. And then when I tell them, no, I, I don't think so. They get all frustrated and aggravated. They get aggravated and I don't want to be the guy who has to tell them, I'm sorry, I just don't fucking trust you. I don't think that you, um, you even give a shit about what I'm trying to do here. Grifters, uh, one thing about grifters is they're the same type of people who will spend hours and days on the internet um, taking a shit on you along with other people. And then as soon as those people turn on that same person, which that's what grifters do, they will sooner or later be like piranhas in a small pool and they'll tear each other up. They'll cannibalize each other and then from time to time they'll return to you because they know that you gave them access before, so they figure they'll do it again. This is one of the psychological problems that I see that the internet does. It changes people. It makes people not act moral anymore. It makes people um, just wishy-washy as fuck, two-faced, fake. And that's why I refer to them as grifters. That's the reason why the word grifter even exists, ladies and gentlemen. 
Now, I know there's some people out there where you feel like you've talked to me for so long and that you've talked to me for so often, then that must mean that I should label you an actual friend. I can't honestly say that in social media I've ever met someone that I could fully trust. Never. I've met people who will be nice to me whenever they're trying to defend someone else. I've tr I've seen people who will say a bunch of nice things about me, and then the next minute they'll shit talk me in the comments as well as on other people's videos. I've uh, become, become internet associates with people who actively go looking for videos that talk shit about me and attack me. Now, have you ever had a friend like that before? You ever had someone that you you consider a friend who actively goes out and tries to find bad things about you or bad things said about you? Right. You never have. Because you wouldn't call that, self a, that person a friend. You'd call them a fucking skank. You'd call them a piece of trash. You'd say, this is just a person who's looking for negativity and trying to dig up dirt on you so they can fuck with you. And of course, if you ever approach a grifter and you like hold them accountable for it, you know, basically shine the light on the fucking cockroach type of deal, they will go, oh, well, I, you know, I didn't mean anything by it. I was just trying to see what was up. I just wanted to know. I, I didn't have anything mean, I was going to say. I was actually there because I wanted to defend you and help you. Why the fuck did you go there in the first place? How did you even know what was going on? You have to actively search for shit in order to be able to find trouble. You know, I, I know there's a cliche thing about trouble sometimes just finds you, but not on the internet. The internet has a search engine. You search you know, who's being a dickhead today, and then that's how you find it. It doesn't just, um, you know, get sent in your email. Somebody's talking about somebody today at gmail.com, and then you get sent a message about it. <laughs> the point is, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever decide to make YouTube videos, if you ever decide to do like I'm doing and make shows where you may go public or you'll have a certain amount of people in the room, never fully um, trust anybody. I have literally never met a religious person or an atheist uh, in my fucking life on the internet, if you can even call that a life, where they'll do you right. There's always somebody out there that's wanting to fuck you over. And it's not paranoia. I've seen it so many times. I've experienced it. And the symptoms are always the same. There's always almost uh, an exact checklist of what you can look for whenever you're talking to people, what they're going to do. Like, I got this one guy who uh, constantly asks me about people, and he brings their names up in my room, uh, asks me how I feel about this person and that person. It's pretty fucking obvious that this person's been watching a lot of slop on the internet and wants to see how I'd react to it. You know, just to get some drama going because they're fucking bored and they got nothing better to do. I got another person who claims to love me with all their heart, but they'll be the first one found in a room uh, where people are trashing the shit out of me. I'm not going to mention any names. 
And if anybody out there that I'm talking about is watching and you think I'm talking about you, most likely I am. If you feel guilty or you feel like an asshole, it's because you are an asshole. You got what was coming to you. If you don't want to be hurt by people, folks, then only connect with people that you can actually see their body language. Connect with people that you can actually look them right in the eye and be able to have a conversation with them. Talk with people that you know live around you or in your area. Don't, don't try to make friends with people on the internet. People on the internet are disconnected and they've got a lot of psychological problems. Uh, many of them are quick to admit they have antisocial uh, anti disorders. And what that means is they simply, because of their sociopathic behavior or narcissism or whatever the case is, they don't under, it's like they can't comprehend what it feels like uh, to be done like that. They can't comprehend how irritating it is what they're doing. And what's really scary is the ones who actually do know what they're doing, but they keep doing it anyway. Now, you got to understand, these are not just people who are looking for the negativity of what's being said about Brett Keane or you or anyone else. If someone decides to make a video about them and shit talk them, they'll get their little feelings hurt and they'll involve themselves into it because even though it makes them feel sad and makes them feel like a gross piece of garbage, because they have access and it's them that's being targeted, for whatever reason, because they're such losers in real life, they want to be a part of it. They want to know why it is they're not liked. They want to know why it is that the, the group out there or the tribe of the internet doesn't like them very much. They want attention so bad and they want someone to actually say you're relevant enough to even speak about that they'll go into a room knowing that there's a bunch of people in there who's going to beat the living fuck out of them. Me, the only way you get me in a room to beat on me is if I'm paid. I like money, folks. I do like money. It helps pay bills, helps me buy a modest dress for my wife. I won't go anywhere uh, where there's going to be abuse unless I'm getting fucking paid first, unless there's a check that's on the table that I can see. <laughs> so, yeah. A lot of people, they ask me, Brett, what does it take to make a YouTube video? What does it take to start a channel? What kind of things do I need to do? What do I do with my tags? How do I do my titles? How do I do the uh, contrast and the coloring in my video? Should I show myself? Should I show myself? Should I not? How should I go about it? What kind of topics should I talk about? And what's it like having all these people who know you? When someone asks me that question, that's the, the funny part. I can give you all the tech advice in the world. But to ask me, how do you feel about everybody on the internet knowing you? This is a person who's clearly disconnected from reality. Not one of these fucking people know me. Even if you just have a phone call with me for an hour or five minutes does not mean that you've established that you know anything about me. Just if you've been on my show 20 times, 
and I've shared with you some of my theological views, or I've talked a little bit about science, this does not mean that you know me. Because you may have made an entire TV series talking shit about me, and may have grabbed a couple clips from my videos and made videos yourself about me, does not mean you fucking know me. You don't. If I were to ask any one of you right now, what is my favorite ice cream? Out of the 20 fucking cats I have, which one's my favorite? What is it that I did just two days ago with my own kids? What's my wife's favorite perfume? You see what I mean, folks? Do you see what's happening here? You're going, wow, I didn't know any of this shit. I don't know. What's Brett Keen's favorite video game? There's a lot of video games I play, but what's my favorite? What is my favorite video game company? What was my mother and father's first thing that they said to me whenever I was born? See, I could go on a hundred million things that a real friend would know. But an internet person wouldn't know shit like that. Not unless I put it out there. Not unless I share. You see what I mean? So whenever you see some stranger on the internet make a video about you or they got something to say, some fucking grifter running their mouth, saying that they know you and they know all about you and all this kind of shit, like they're going to make a documentary about you and narrate a video, remember this motherfucker don't know shit. And they never will. You can't get to know somebody by fucking watching a bunch of stupid ass videos where someone's misrepresenting them. You can't. How would they even fucking know? These people have never paid your bills before. These people have never walked a mile in your shoes or even three feet. Who the fuck are they? So I hope that my advice and suggestion helps you. The whole moral of the story is don't trust people like this. And remember what you're dealing with when you're on the internet. You're dealing with people who spend most of their life staring at a screen. And they don't have a lot of beautiful, wonderful things happening for them in their life. When I get done making my videos, I'm either going and playing some video games, or I'm going to go hang out with my wife, my family, or my real friends in real life. Once I shut off my computer, these motherfuckers are like living in a simulation. It's like NPCs that disappear. They no longer exist anymore. You see what I'm saying? Now, that isn't to say that some of these grifters haven't um, gravitated towards me, that there's some of them I kind of like sometimes, where whenever I'm fucking bored, I enjoy hearing some of the shit that may come out of their mouth. Yeah, there's that. Just like every once in a while I like to turn on the TV and see Biden shaking hands with an invisible man that isn't even there. I've got a sadistic personality sometimes. Sometimes I like to watch Supernatural and some crazy shit on TV just because I'm bored. Just treat it all like that. If you do that, you'll feel a lot better. You won't get offended. You won't get hurt. If you're a real person with a real brain and real consciousness, then you know that this is nothing more than a virtual circus and insane asylum without the medication and psychiatrist to produce any results. And that's that. And that is that.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, on Saturday, 7 p.m. Central, I'm going to be doing a show. As usual, everybody and anybody is welcome to come in the room and we can discuss and debate. Or we can just talk about shoot the shit. We can talk about entertaining things. If it was your ambition to ever get me to trust you or put you on some higher plane among others on the internet, I hope this video answered your question on where you stand whenever it comes to Brett Keen. God bless. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless.